Um, so Gina, tonight um, the topic that we're going to talk about is something that we hear about all the time from doctors, and that's the concept of delegation. And um, in my opinion, delegation is one of the most powerful tools that we have, but it's also probably one of the most underused or misused tool as well. Uh, what do you think? I think so. Um, time is our most finite resource. And unfortunately, with so many distractions and social media and all of the other things that uh, target our attention, we tend to squander a lot of our time. And uh, one way that we can gain our time back is by uh, delegating some of the things that um, we don't have to be doing. So I think delegation is uh, a concept that doesn't really require um, convincing people that it's the right thing to do. I think the issue that I hear over and over again is, yeah, it sounds great, but I am, I'm surrounded by dummies. How am I going to delegate to these people? They can't even uh, you know, tie their shoes. They can't even walk straight. How am I going to delegate something important to them? Excellent point. I, for anyone who wants to learn to, to, to delegate, I think they should start by reading Tim Ferriss' Four-Hour Work Week, which I remember being at a Starbucks uh, getting coffee, and I saw a man sitting at a table, and this is like 2 o'clock on a Wednesday or something like this, where someone should be you know, in their office working. And he was reading this book, and I I didn't know what this book was about. I, I just kind of rolled my eyes thinking, you know, instead of reading stupid books, just go back to work and do something productive. But it's really the best primer on learning how to delegate. Um, one of the things that uh, Tim Ferriss, uh, he has this kind of a mantra, like, you know, before you delegate, try to automate something, you know, simplify it. And if you can't automate. No, first of all, actually, let me, let me go back. Before you delegate something, you need to eliminate something. You know, figure out what doesn't need to be done and eliminate that first. And the second step would be, if you cannot eliminate it, if it needs to be done, then figure out a way to simplify it or automate it. And if you can't eliminate it, you can't automate it, you can't simplify it, then you need to figure out a way to delegate. You don't delegate everything. You uh, he talks about the lead domino, kind of like that, that domino that's going to set off a bunch of events in motion uh, that are going to bring you uh, the most success, that are going to be most rewarding. And he talks about making a list of everything you do. You actually make two lists. And this is where, you know, you and I both uh, love the Pareto principle, the 80-20 principle. And he talks about making a list of the 20% of the things that give you 80% of the pleasurable peaks. You know, the things that give you the most reward, the things that are um, uh, gonna give you uh, the most satisfaction, the things that only you can do. And these are the things that you focus on. This is your focus list. And 80% of the things that either give you 20% of results or the things that you don't enjoy, that's your delegate list. And once you, once you have that list, then you have to find the people to delegate those things on the list too. And this is where the dummies question comes in because um, it's not that the people around us are not able to take our direction and run with it and complete tasks for us. It's that we are not necessarily very good at dummy, uh, uh, of 
of delegating, we, you know, it's a skill, just like anything else. You have to learn to delegate properly. So I think you hit on a couple really important things there. Um, um, the question I asked you is, what do you do when you're surrounded by dummies? But really the first question is not, um, is not answering that. It's what types of things should you even consider delegating? So if you're uh, you know, a typical solo doc practice owner, you see patients, you've uh, you got you know, five or six staff, um, you feel like you're drowning in clinical and non-clinical stuff, what are some of the easy pickings? What are some of the things that you can delegate right off the bat that would make a big difference? Excellent question. I think it goes back to what I said earlier. What might be easier to delegate for me, uh, maybe more difficult to delegate for you. I think it really comes to finding things that, um, that you personally are not an expert in because there are so many people that can do something better than you. For example, when I first started my practice, I designed my first website by myself. I did all the graphics. I did all the, you know, I, I did it from a blank page to an actual website. And I had that website on until probably about 2007 or so. And when it was time, when it was dated, I realized that designing a website is really not my strength, that, you know, I can contribute ideas and, and I can describe what I want, but it's really not my strength. So delegating out anything that's not within my competency skill that I'm not the best person to do is a good idea. Um, one of the things that you could probably start um, with is figuring out your billable rate. And I think this is something that you talk about. You know, figure out what is your time worth. And then figure out if you can hire someone to do it better for less than that. And if you can, then that's what you should be delegating. For me, it's endo. You know, no matter how much I charge per hour, I can't do it better than anyone else. And maybe website design. Maybe I can do it as good of a website as someone else, I can't, but let's say I can, but is it worth my time? Because there are a lot of things that I can do really, really, really well. Maybe better than someone else, but is it worth my time? Is it the best? I can do laundry yeah. as good as anyone else. I am, I mean, you should see me with an iron, you know, but, but it's probably not worth my time. Well, you bring up a great point when you brought up the endo example, because all of us doctors understand that. Right? I mean, very, very few of us do our own hygiene. Because right. We've delegated it to somebody that we pay $40 an hour to so we can bill $1,000 an hour. I mean, that just makes sense. Everybody gets that. And if you had a dentist that, uh, you know, um, had a $2 million practice and insisted on doing their own hygiene, you'd say, well, what's wrong with you? Like, that doesn't, that's a, such an inefficient use of your time. But we have such a hard time applying that same thinking to our non-clinical stuff, uh, like the website. Everybody, I mean, docs feel like they have to do the website because nobody can do it as good as they can. But I mean, that's like saying, well, nobody can clean teeth as good as you can. And I don't know, maybe you have some special super DNA that makes you really good at removing deposits, but chances are, no, you're, you're probably okay at cleaning teeth. So I think that's probably uh, one of the biggest obstacles to delegating non-clinical stuff is ego, right? It's, it's um, for some reason, docs don't seem to have as much of an ego when it comes to delegating clinical stuff. They're happy to get rid of pedo. 
removable prost, um, ortho, um, endo, but they won't let go of um, the non-clinical crap. And that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I think for a, a solo doc um, or a smaller practice, uh, one of the most important decisions they have to make uh, in terms of delegation is who's going to manage the practice. Uh, is it going to be them or is it going to be somebody else? Uh, because if it's not going to be them, then that's one thing that can be delegated almost right off the bat and not necessarily to an office manager. I mean, if, if you've got, you know, three employees, you're probably not going to designate somebody an office manager, but delegating the different roles that that office manager might have to one of the three people and, and essentially making three of them um, do the roles of the office manager. Um, the problems I see are when docs can't make that decision. They don't know if they should be the manager or not. And they end up clinging to stuff that makes them miserable. And then you see them online complaining about how their staff meetings suck and how they hate dealing with uh, complaining employees. And now it's, oh, it's raise time again. And what do I do? And how do we figure out bonuses? And that's a symptom of a problem, right? If, if you're complaining about those things, that's your brain telling you that you should not be doing those things, right? It's no different than a doc going along the line saying, oh, I don't have time to do my all on fours because I had to do uh, a scaling and uh, a root planning appointment. Uh, hey. Wow. It's like, well, the, the easy solution is if you want to do more all on fours, then just delegate those cleanings. Right? Right. So I think that's something that we have to learn is, when, when, I guess especially when there's ego involved, is listening to our brains. And when we're procrastinating about something, when we're complaining about something, oftentimes that's a sign to take a step back and say, hold on a second, should we even be doing this at all? And maybe that's something that can be delegated. Yeah, and this is where Tim Ferriss comes in saying, uh, you know, when he's talking about pleasurable peaks or maybe pleasure peaks, I'm not sure I'm getting the right word here, but the, the idea is, is that you find 20% of the things on your calendar so he actually talks about going back a year, looking at your calendar and finding out what are the 20% of the things that he enjoyed doing that gave him the biggest results. Uh, and what are, who are the 20% of the people that he interacted with that gave him the most pleasure, the most results. And then you just focus on that. That's your focus. That's how you multiply time. You, you focus on what's working, what you like to do, what's worth your time. And anything else can be delegated. Your website can be delegated. Your payroll can be delegated. And if you enjoy designing websites, then why not? You know, if, I mean, at least it might not be worth your time, but at least you're going to have fun doing this. But if you don't enjoy it, and if you're not the best person to do it, and if it's not worth your time, then this is definitely something that you delegate. And you know what? I think that sometimes it's not necessarily the ego. I think it's sometimes it's um, fear, fear that it's not going to be perfectly done. But I have to tell you, done is better than perfect. Right. But I think that I think that is I think that is the definition of ego that I can't delegate my website because nobody's going to do it as good as I can or nobody's going to care as much as I do about it or nobody's going to have just the right touch um, that I have on it. Um, so I think that's ego saying. Um, it's impossible for somebody to know and care as much about this as I do. And that's just nonsense, right? That's, that's crazy talk. Now there are certain times when, well, let's use the website again, for example, where uh, I have 
I find it kind of fun to tinker with the website. I don't know. It's just, I enjoy um, playing with the layout, looking at websites, stealing other people's stuff. I, I kind of enjoy that process, but I'm always very careful to, to be very clear to myself that that is playground time and it's not money-making time and never to allow the playground time to interfere with my ability to do my real work, which pays the bills. So I think it's, it's, we're not trying to strip people away from their hobbies or their joys or turn them into, uh, you know, 100% efficient robots. But I think you have to be clear the, the distinction between things that you do to scratch an itch and things that you do because those are the things that you should be doing. Yeah, absolutely. We, you know, the, and again, I'm, I'm, I keep going back to Tim Ferriss because I, I don't think anyone explains or does delegation better than he does. I think that's his niche. Um, I'm going back to Tim Ferriss uh, because he says that the time that you save should be used for living. And it's not what we do as entrepreneurs because just like cash, whatever we make in time goes back into the business. And it's certainly a case for me. I don't know that just because I save something by delegating, I'm going to go on a hike and, and, you know, do something that I want to do. A lot of it is more to, I don't believe in time management. I don't believe you can manage time uh, or people. I believe you can manage money, but that's, that's about it because money is tangible, but I don't think you can manage time, but I think that we can save time and we can, um, kind of parlay that save time into anything we want, whether it's R&R, hobby, or it's going back to our business and working on our business. And I think for most of us, um, we feel like we don't have time to get things done. I don't think most of us feel like we don't have time to relax. We, we feel like we don't have time to get things done. And I think that's a big stressor for most of us. I think you're right. It's, it's, um, it's, Personally, I find it hard to uh, relax and create when your schedule is jam full, right? There's no breathing room. And so, so you lose those aha moments um, that come to you when your mind is free, right? There's, there's, no, there's nothing nagging at you. It's just completely free. Your, your brain waves go crazy and you have these aha moments. The, the solutions appear to you. You have visions of the future. And those things don't happen when um, you're worrying about um, your website or worrying about doing um, staff reviews and all this other crap people force themselves to do. <laughs> right. Um, Absolutely. Um, so we talked about uh, what we should delegate. So how about we move on to who? And again, um, I'll go back to that same question. Like, okay, so that sounds great, but who the heck am I supposed to delegate this stuff to? Uh, I, I could go broke hiring freelancers to do all this crap. So what would your advice be to somebody that thinks like that? Well, first of all, uh, the best person to delegate to is someone who is uh, billing less per hour than you for the same task. And also someone who is um, either an expert or can handle this task expertly. And you know what? If we look around and we say, I'm just surrounded by a bunch of warrants who cannot tie their shoes, um, 
we're probably doing something wrong. <laughs> There's so many capable people around us that um, why that, that they can do uh, amazing things while tying their shoes. And um, <laughs> you know, it's if you're building a website, it might be a freelancer, it might be a student, it might be um, someone that you know, it might be a company, it might be um, a company that you hire that does complete workup for the website for you. Uh, the point is you find the person who is best suited for the job who is billing less than you per hour. That's the right person to delegate. And you have to have faith in people. If you go into delegation under the assumption, and we're going to talk about how to delegate in a little bit, but if you go into delegation with an assumption that you're talking to a moron, well, you know, you're going to get, what do they say? If you, uh, if you hire children, you get children's work. <laughs> yeah, you get what you look for, right? Exactly. So um, I like what you said about um, delegating to somebody that's an expert in this task that bills less than you do, right? So that might be yeah. uh, in a dental office, that might be um, delegating your hygiene to a hygienist who bills less than you. But on a non-clinical side, it might be delegating some non-clinical work to a front desk receptionist or a dental assistant who makes uh, $20 an hour. And this is where um, I think docs make a lot of mistakes in terms of, you know, they, they think about job descriptions for their front desk person or their dental assistant. And, okay, so the dental assistant's going to sterilize and turn over rooms and talk about treatment, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But I think, I mean, why limit yourself to that job description? I mean, the, the name is dental assistant, which means assist the dentist right. and anything that we need assistance with. And that might mean the website. It might mean ordering supplies. It might mean doing staff reviews. It might be, be getting involved in hiring. It might be, um, you know, writing um, pamphlets to hand out to patients. All these things are things that assist the dentist. So I think when we're looking at the who and we're looking for people that are experts, uh, you know, when we use the, the website analogy, yeah, there are people that are experts in, in websites, but if we're going to, if we're going to delegate some tasks, like um, um, we're going to, we're going to create new patient handouts to explain uh, what crowns are, you know, I don't know if you can really identify somebody that's an expert at doing that. Right? So how would you handle those types of tasks where it's not really a, a defined skill, it's just a, a, you know, some grunt work that has to get done? Right. Let me give you an example. So I fly, um, nowadays I probably fly about 40 times a year. Uh, and I've never bought an airplane ticket once. Um, I, I don't think I would know how. I'm definitely not an expert. And the people that I delegate this to are not experts either. So we have, it's, it's usually um, my, one of my assistants who, not my dental assistants, but my uh, personal assistants, uh, which is similar to a secretary. You can have a virtual assistant or in my case, because I do a lot of business transactions, not just inside of my dental office, but uh, also for my software company. Um, so I have an assistant and uh, she buys my tickets. So how would you go about 
delegating. The first thing is you have to be very clear about what the final result will be. And it's not just with delegating, it's with everything. You know, whenever you hire someone to work at your front desk or to assist your chair site, you have to be very clear about what the success is going to look like. If you're going to ask someone to suction for you, what are you going to want? Well, the patient is not gagging. You're not sticking the saliva into their throat, uh, saliva ejector into their throat. You don't, um, I actually had a dental assistant pull off a wig once with a high velocity suction. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, you know, don't, don't get the high velocity suction anywhere where you can cause any embarrassing moments for the patient. Uh, you know, these are like some basic, this is what success is going to look like, right? And my field is going to be dry. Uh, you're going to spray air water in my mirror so I can see. Same thing with delegating. Same thing with buying tickets. I, you're not, you don't spend a lot of time on uh, Facebook, uh, but uh, I've been recently complaining about United. I've been flying on United, and every single time I fly on United, my flight is delayed, which is apparently a United thing. I didn't know that. This was like a streak of United that I've, I haven't experienced before. And I... I uh, texted my assistant, do not put me on United anymore. And a few, last time I was going to Chicago, she texted me and she said, like a couple of days before the flight, she says, oh my God, I realize you're on United again. Do you want me to rebook the flight? And I said, no, fine, I'll deal with it, but don't put me on United anymore. The point is, they need to know what the success is going to look like. And... Um, and you need to be pretty specific. And I'm going to go back to Tim Ferriss because this was actually one of the most memorable parts of that book is um, he said, when you write an email delegating something to your virtual, and he, saw, he was talking specifically about virtual assistants in that chapter, don't just tell them what you want them to do. Tell them what you expect them to do if things don't go according to the plan. And, and this would be the type of example. Don't put me on United, but... If there's no direct flight uh, to whatever destination I'm going within so many hours, then in that case, put me on United. You have to be very clear about your expectations. You have to give them, if not, then this. Because if you don't, you're going to be stuck back and forth discussing all of the possible variations to your task. And finally, you have to be okay with this job not being done 100% to your standard. If it's done 90% to your standard, it's good enough. We get, I'm a, you know, especially dentists, we're so perfectionists, right? We need to have things our way. We need to, to have it done just right. And the truth is, have you seen some of that? Sometimes you see that dentistry that you, you look at the x-ray and you're like, how is this working? <laughs> like, why is this patient not in pain? Why is this tube there? It's been there for 30 years. I'm not saying get sloppy, but sometimes good is the enemy, or what is it? Uh, perfect is the enemy, great is the enemy of good. Is that the expression? Because we are so stuck on getting things just right, we never get it done on time. We never actually get done. We just keep sitting there and tinkering with our slides, you know, when we should be really practicing our presentation. I think that is the, um, the curse of being a dentist is that we obsess <laughs> over fractions of a millimeter. Yeah. And 
when we act that way outside of somebody's mouth, then that is not conducive to, um, to delegating. Um, I think probably the biggest issue that I see with um, people delegating is that, and then, and then it not working, is that they didn't really delegate. Right? They think they delegated, but they didn't delegate. And I think there's a big difference between delegating the way that we're talking about delegating versus um, making somebody else um, a tool that you're using um, that's just basically carrying out your orders. And the difference is in um, judgment. Uh, like you said before, what do you do if something doesn't go according to plan? And it's really the difference between um, having a robot that can go A, B, C, D, and E versus truly delegating to somebody that knows the plan is A, B, C, well, knows the plan is to go from A to E. And maybe the perfect way is go A, B, C, D, E, but also having the judgment to know what to do when A goes wrong or when B goes wrong, but we got to get to E. That's what they understand. And as, as doctors, again, when we're trying to delegate, we get so focused on, okay, I have an assistant and assistant, here's what I want you to do. I want you to do A, then I want you to do B, then I want you to C, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And we're basically just using them um, as a, an extension of our own hands so that we can use our hands somewhere else. But the assistant never really understands what E looks like or why she's taking us to E. And that's not delegating. That's, um, that's just using somebody as a tool or as a... Test um, rabbit. But yeah, they're just a, they're like, they're a guinea pig, right? They're a gopher. Yeah, so you have all those gophers and task rabbits. They're doing little small things here and there. And then, and this is where, where the problem starts. You become exhausted managing your task rabbits because the decisions still come back to you. And, and, and the problem is, it's not that they're not capable, it's that you did not delegate properly. You did not give enough instruction, enough of the... Um, high-level overview of the project for them to be able to make the decision to go to the next step. Right, and that's where I think it's so critical that if you're delegating somebody, they understand A, where we are now, they understand E, where we want to go, and if you really, really want, we can sit down and talk about B, C, D, but I don't really care. Just get us to E, and that's where I think docs have to let go as well is um, I think we focus way too much on processes and not enough on outcomes, right? Just buy me a damn plane ticket 100%. and get me to LA by this date, right? And yep. okay, if we looked back, maybe if I did it, I could have found a flight that would have saved me 30 minutes and 50 bucks. Maybe I could have got a slightly better seat if I chose it myself. But that's the BCD, right? It's no, the E is just get me to where I need to go on time and I'm happy. And, you know, it's so liberating and so wonderful when you wake up in the morning, you know you, you're flying to Chicago, and someone just sends you, you know, they, they get you on the flight, they check you in, and they send you your boarding pass. And you're like, oh, okay, well, there's a boarding pass now in my wallet, on my phone. And I didn't have to think about any of that. Right. So how liberating well, would it be? How liberating would it be if somebody said, uh, hey, Doc, I, I went and uh, handled all the raises for 2019, taken care of. Go, f go focus on your uh, implant patient today. 
right? That's, that's that, would, that would be amazing. That would be amazing. I've handled all of the um, employee issues for the year. I've handled the website. I've handled, I've responded to all of the good and bad reviews. All those things are wonderful. And, and the thing is that, again, if you want to respond to reviews, do it. You want to do your website? Do it. You like ordering tickets? Do it. The key is to really realize that you can really focus your attention on things that you like and things that matter. And everything else, so I was in United, so my flight was a little late. I was listening to a great podcast. I was laughing so hard. There were tears. And, you know, it's funny because I have long hair and I had earbuds. Um, the, you know, that I, so people couldn't see. So they, they just looked at me like a crazy person sitting in the airport waiting for United for, like, hours and hours just, just laughing to, like, and having tea and crying at the same time. But you know what? It was fine. It, it worked out. It would have, I probably wouldn't have booked that flight, but yeah, mistakes will be made. And that's another part of delegation. You have to, you know, things are not going to be perfect. Maybe not the way that you would have done them, but you will save so much time to do the things that are really important your way, the way well, you would have. We're asking somebody to virtually read our minds and do what we would do in these situations. And that's just not possible, right? I mean, somebody's going to do their best, but they're not going to act exactly the way that we did. And again, what huge mistake people make is um, as, some, as soon as somebody screws up, this uh, assistant um, booked the wrong flight, they're done, right? No, they can't yeah. do that. No more booking flights. You can, you can do simpler things, but you proved you can't handle yeah. uh, booking a flight. Right? We got to make it safe for people to use their judgment. And if we're asking people to use their judgment, then we also have to accept that sometimes that judgment is going to be wrong. And that's okay. That's totally okay. Because no one's going to die. You'll still get where you need to go. You still get, you know, I got there. I was in time. I, um, I actually wasn't speaking at uh, the midwinter, but uh, I was very late. It was like half a day I spent in the airport. And I was a little nervous because I was supposed to speak at the Yankee, uh, but I got there in time and I delivered my speech and it was fine. And, and, you know, but, but again, the fact that I'm able to um, focus my attention on things that really, and it's not even just the time focus. If you focus on too many things, you can't really focus on anything intently. Your attention is everywhere. So loose, being able loose ends are loose ends for me are a huge distraction. Yeah. I, I just hate thinking about, Oh shoot. Did I book a hotel? Did I book the flight? Do I have transportation here and here? No, I, I want freedom. I want my mind to be able to relax and create and not think about um, nagging little tiny issues. Yeah, absolutely. So let me ask you a question. What are the types of things that you Personally, I like to delegate. Um, well, I delegate everything. And I would <laughs> say the, the only things these days that I don't delegate, that I hold on to tightly, are marketing because um, I, I enjoy it. That's me scratching my itch. And when I do marketing, um, what I've realized is I'm much better at coordinating people that are doing marketing than actually 
doing the marketing. So I'm not sitting there writing ads, designing websites, but I've got a pretty good team of people now and I just kind of quarterback them and I enjoy that process. So marketing is one that I really enjoy. Uh, the other one is leadership development, um, growing new leaders in the practice and coaching people and, um, and bringing out the best capabilities of some of our staff. That's what I do. That's what I do uh, with my week. Everything else is delegated. Um, these days, the, the perfect situation for me is I am not the bottleneck in anything. Yes. Uh, nobody is waiting for my decision. Uh, nothing that I do is on a deadline. Uh, it gets done when it gets done. Uh, like um, if I'm working on a new marketing campaign, there's no deadline. Um, it'll get done when it's done. But nobody's ever waiting for me for a decision or for me to do some work so that they can get their work done. That's, that's the perfect amount of delegation for me. I like it because we, and actually going back to the podcast we recorded a year ago, when you asked me what, what was, what, what, what was the question you asked me? You asked me what was my biggest kryptonite? Right. And for me at the time that was, um, me being the bottleneck for a lot of things. And uh, I've, I remember that my 2018 agenda was to not be the bottleneck anymore. And it meant, uh, you know, releasing some control, like having someone else edit my podcast without, you know, I used to ask uh, Ian, who edits my podcast, to send me the copy of the podcast so I could listen to it first. Right. Now I listen, to, yeah, now I listen to it when it comes out. And there's perfect. some that I haven't heard. <laughs> right. Now that, that's a perfect example where um, good enough is good enough. I mean, mm -hmm. you could sit there and spend an hour tweaking it and it's not going to make a tiny bit of difference. Nobody gives a shit, right? It's, um, it's not that they don't care. It's that it was, he did a great job and that's great. It doesn't have to be great plus one or, you know, 0.01%. Uh, and and at some point, that hour spent is is not worth that 0.01% improvement. You reached a point of diminishing returns. So I love that. I I love um, not being the bottleneck. And I think um, if you can ask yourself, is any decision waiting on me, or is anybody's work waiting for me? Um, then that's something you got to delegate something. Yeah. Right? And, and not necessarily delegate that, but maybe delegate something else so that you can attend to that. Like, why, why is this not done if, um, if it needs to get done? And, right. and if, if you're the one stopping it from getting it done, then you're the one that's limiting your, your business's potential. And, you know, you have to go back to your own personality as well. Uh, our mutual um, uh, friend, Dr. Christopher Phelps, is a Colby certified coach. And uh, my Colby is interesting. I'm a very high quick start but I'm also a very high uh, fact finder. So for me, I get excited about a project and I, and I commit to it. I start it and then I get stuck in a fact finding mode. I'm a very low follow through. So if someone doesn't come in and doesn't finish that project for me, I'm just going to be researching for more information, spinning my wheels. And if you have that type of a personality and actually most dentists are very high fact finders, and that's the reason why so many of us have a difficult time moving along, finding someone who has a complimentary Kobe who is able to take that information from us and say, okay, look, 
I got your project. I'll finish it for you. I'll move it forward. Having that person on our team, whether it's an assistant or um, a, a, a virtual assistant or a personal assistant or your front office, anyone on your team who can move your ideas along towards completion is priceless. There's never a shortage of ideas. There's always a shortage of people to execute the idea. Right. <laughs> and so, so that's true. absolutely something that dentists should delegate. Come up with ideas and then you're done. Yeah. Right? Hand it off to somebody that can execute your ideas. And there are people, and, and especially in a dental office, if we're going to talk about Colby, most of the staff are um, high follow-through. So they're the pe perfect people to... Um, not necessarily innovate, but they're great at implementing and designing systems. Um, and that's the complete opposite of dentists. So it's, it's like the perfect marriage. Just find somebody in your practice who is super organized, who just hates the idea of open loops. And yeah. just have that person close loops. That's their job. Just close loops all day long. 100%. Couldn't agree with that more. Um... You know, when you were talking about um, one of the big things you said was was being clear about uh, what the endpoint looks like. Can you explain to me how exactly do you do that? Do you mean that you know you're you're sitting down and explaining this to the person? Are you doing this in an email? Or are you writing it down? How exactly do you make sure that you guys are on the same page before you delegate it? You know, it doesn't matter actually how you do it. Uh, we don't do this enough, and I have to tell you, I've learned. Um, sometimes when I've delegated in the past and I got a result back that I wasn't happy with, I could always trace it to something that I have done incorrectly in describing the result. It can be an email. It can be um, a personal conversation. If you have a virtual assistant, something like Skype or Zoom is, is a great way to really communicate face-to-face. The idea is that you really have to be specific about what the final result will be, and then you have to be um, giving information on if this, then that type of thing, you know? So, for example, if there are no flights, if there are no direct flights on Delta, then we can book me on United as long as I get there on that day, right? Or as long as I'm flying on the, in a certain seat or what have you. You've got to get as detailed as possible. And it doesn't take a lot of time. It just... See, a lot of times when we do a project ourselves, we kind of fly by the seat of our pants. This, this is the real difficulty, right? We make decisions on the fly about how the project is going to be. Let's use the tickets example. We'll go online. We'll look for tickets. Ah, there's no Delta tickets. Okay. So do I want to fly United or do I want to take a non-direct flight? And that's the real issue with delegation. We don't think about those things up front when we delegate. And then this person either makes a decision that we're not happy with or this person now contacts us and says, well, do you want to be on Delta or do you want to be, uh, you know, Delta... Uh, with a stop in, in San Antonio, or do you want to be in United? Okay, now you have a decision to make. Now you're not sure. Now let me see the times that I'm flying. 
now let me see uh, which is this a business class or which uh, at the end of the airplane they don't have a meal there do, and so now we are completely involved with the project right and then you might and as well now do it yourself. And might as well do it yourself and or that's the, the real exactly and that's the real problem with delegation we don't give and we don't think the project through to completion I think if you can say go, go ahead. ahead sorry go ahead Gina no, I said if we can just think through all of the, we can, we can never think of all of the possibilities. I mean, there's always like the a flock of birds hitting the the engine or something, you know. So you're never going to come up with that. But like reasonable possibilities. This is what might happen. So if this happens, then then this is what I want you to do. And if that happens, then I want you to do this. And once you do this, then you can completely surrender control over something that's not life changing that's not career changing, and you're gonna get a result that's actually pretty decent. I think that's, that's extremely powerful, that, that planning step. And you know, we've, we've been talking about things like uh, you know, websites and booking flights and kind of gopher-like tasks, but this is even more important when you're, when you're starting to delegate more impactful tasks. Like yes. if we're gonna delegate um, to our hygienist that we want to grow our perio program, Right, that's something where uh, it certainly requires um, a lot of planning ahead of time. And the best tool that I've ever found for doing this type of planning is from Strategic Coach. It's their impact filter. And their impact filter is essentially a form where you, the delegator, will answer a series of questions and write them down. And the questions are things like, um, what's the best case scenario? Uh, or what's the worst case scenario if we don't take action? Or what exactly are we trying to achieve and why? And what exactly does success look like? What are the success criteria? Uh, and can we make them measurable? And by filling this out, uh, I, it took me a while to figure out, like, what the hell is an impact filter? What does that even mean, impact filter? This is like a delegation form. What does impact filter mean? And then it clicked because it's literally a filter of impact. And when you're filling out this form, when you're asking yourself questions like this, a lot of crap gets filtered out, right? You start to think, okay, hold on a second. Now that I think about this and I started to do some planning, this is actually not that great of an idea. There's too many holes in this idea. Let's just scrap it. Or this idea is fine, but it's just not going to move the needle. It's not even worth, uh, you know, talking about. So it screens out things that are low impact. And that's, this has become, uh, in my mind, uh, my most powerful delegating tool. Now, I don't literally fill out an impact filter anymore, but we certainly go through the steps of planning in terms of starting with why um, and defining the, uh, the success criteria clearly um, at the start and agreeing on them with the person you're delegating to. And then they're off to the races, right? Here's, here's where we are now, point A. Here's what point E looks like. Here's why it's so important that we go from A to E. Here's what would happen if we just stayed at E. And let's sit, to, sit down together and, and paint as vivid a picture, as detailed a picture of what E looks like, right down to um, the color of the room that we're sitting in and the clothes that we're wearing. We want to be a vivid, lifelike picture of exactly what E looks like, and then just get us there. That's it. That's your job. I think that's key is, is that planning, not just to... Uh, be able to communicate things properly, but then also to do your to think through your your plan to uh, to figure out have we really thought this through? 
do we have a clear picture of what we're trying to achieve? Because if you don't have a clear picture, there's no way in hell that the person you're talking to is going to have a clear picture uh, on their end. And then you're both going to end up uh, upset, right? It's, um, yep. she's going to come back to you and say, Hey, look, we made it to E and you're going to be like, hold on a second. I thought it we're going doesn't to look like E. No. Well, they're gonna say, didn't, <laughs> e doesn't look like that. They're going to say, well, I thought we're going to G not E. It's completely different, right? right? You got to agree on those things um, ahead of time. Absolutely. And, and oh, the, sorry, key, the key is that a lot of times when we plan something big, we actually think through, but when we um, plan something small, we don't think through it. And that's where we get stuck because we get, we, we get into trouble having someone buy us tickets. And then we don't trust them with anything bigger. But the truth is, it's really back to us not delegating properly. Right. And when we're talking about, you know, how we actually communicate this to people. And um, I used to literally give people an impact filter written down. Now we just talk about it. And in my mind, if I can't explain clearly A to E within 10 minutes, then it's too complicated. Sure. Uh, maybe we should break this down. Let's just go A to B. And can I explain A to B in 10 minutes? And when that's done, let's go B to C. But if, it's, if, it, can't be, if it can't be communicated clearly enough in 10 minutes, then you got to simplify it. That's, um, um, that's a problem on your end where you haven't made it clear enough. You haven't made it simple enough if you can't talk to somebody in 10 minutes and for them to fully understand what you're trying to do. You know, so I'm back with Tim Ferriss. <laughs> So Tim Ferry says, don't delegate something that you can automate and don't automate something that you cannot simplify. Right. And, and, and that's essentially what it goes back to. You, you've got to simplify before you can either, um, elim, you know, eliminate, simplify or delegate. Right. Um, I want to just go back to one thing I just, I was writing some notes while you were talking because we're talking about um, what to delegate and then we're talking about who to delegate. And I've, I've realized something about the who where um, we're looking for experts. We're looking for people who have um, some sort of genius, some sort of unique ability in the item that we're delegating. The problem that I run into, though, is that there's often not a clear match. Uh, and I can imagine what it would be like in a smaller team. You've got almost 60 people, and sometimes there's no clear match for the project and skill. So I've, I've kind of gotten away from um, insisting on a perfect match in terms of unique ability. Now, obviously, the, the first criteria is, is there somebody on my team who has the unique ability that perfectly fits this, um, this project that needs to be delegated. That's, that's perfect. That'd be great. That rarely works. So then we fall back on the second thing, which is, is there somebody on this team who needs the opportunity to develop these skills and learn on the job? And that's often 95% of the time, the way we go is, so we're not necessarily looking for skill. Uh, we're looking more for people that, that need the opportunity and and learning on the job is is really the best way for them to learn these skills and that's how we've created a culture of new leaders right it's, it's encouraging people to step up before they're ready to step up because if we're always waiting for them to acquire these skills well how the hell are they acquiring these skills if you're not letting them acquire any skills 
an excellent point. And I actually wanted to dig a little bit deeper into this. How do you uh, identify people that are ready for an opportunity, ready for growth in your practice? Um, there's a few ways. One is, don't you just kind of know by walking around, right? You, you, you've you got do. people that are always asking how they can help, right? Or every time you throw something at them, they're like, okay, done. What's next? It's like, holy shit. Like, I, I didn't think it was going to be done in an afternoon. I thought you're going to come back to me in a month. Like, you just have a sense for people that are hungry, people that are getting after it, and people that are just wanting to contribute. And you, the only way you get that is just from being around and being around your people. So that's probably the, the most common way is, you know, we just kind of have a sense of people that want to take a leap. And that's, it's kind of like our AAA team, right? It's, it's, it's usually younger people who are super hungry, super ambitious, and they, they're always looking for ways to contribute no matter what it is. Um, they're also the types of people, another good indication of, of who these people are, they're the types of people that um, solicit feedback. I think that's a really key true. indicator. So yeah, it's, it's not people who wait for you to tell them if they're doing a good job. It's ones that want to know if they're doing a good job and specifically. So you'll give them something, they'll say, hey, how did I do? What could I do better, et cetera, et cetera. That to me is a super impressive indicator of future success, future leadership and their hunger. So that's the number one way is we just kind of know other ways that we know are um, sometimes we just put it out there. Say, hey, um, so this happened with, uh, we're doing an expansion and we needed somebody to help with plants of all things. Um, I like plants, but I have no <laughs> desire to shop and maintain plants. So we just put out there, hey, is anybody, who's our plant whisperer? Can somebody uh, help us with plants? And, you know, people shot their hands up and that's great. Um, the third way that we find people is we just tell people, this is what you're doing. Um, either because it's a task that we know is super important, but maybe it's just not very sexy and people are not dying to, to do it. Um, or we can see a fit more clearly than they can see a fit. And we know this is going to be a good opportunity for them, or we know it's a good fit for their skill set. So we'll kind of um, strongly encourage them to, um, to tackle these projects. But those are really the three main ways that we find people to delegate to. Yes, your plant story reminded me of something that uh, happened in my practice. So, uh, social media, you know, <laughs> I've uh, been on Dental Town since 2002. I'm in just about every Facebook group imaginable. I'm on Instagram, although I really don't have time for this. But um, the last thing that I've ever wanted to do is to become the person responsible for social media in my practice. I just, first of all, I'm not even there enough. I don't want to run around with my phone taking pictures of every birthday cake. Um, I'm not disciplined or organized enough to be posting material on, on Facebook for my practice, but I knew it was important. And then of course, there are all those companies that will give you social media images and you know, for $300 a month, they'll give you something that you can do with your social media, they'll give you some generic content. And the problem with that content is that it's generic and, and people don't go on Facebook to like generic content, so it doesn't work. And our Facebook group, our Facebook page was like, okay, and one day I just sat down and I'm like, you know what? I need a social media queen. And I literally, I wrote down social media queen. 
And then I wrote all of the attributes that the queen would have, all of the things that she would do, all of the images that she would post, so the kinds of content she would post, images, posts, whatever. And then I printed it out and I went to my practice administrator and I said, who is this? And she said, it's Audrey. So I walk into, and Audrey does billing. Uh, she, I have two billers, she's one of my full-time billers. I came up to Audrey, I said, Audrey, is this you? She said, that's totally me. I'm like, okay, here's your job description, just, just go. Our Facebook presence is incredible. She does, like every day I see posts about birthdays and cool things that are happening in the practice and funny things and, you know, she just loves it. She runs with it. I, it was a one page that I printed. I handed it to her and I said, it's yours. You do it. You're the, you're the social media queen for the practice. And to me, it was like one of the best things that happened in my life because I don't have to worry about it. I don't have to be a part of a social media academy where I'm learning how to be social on social media. I don't have to be paying $300 a month to a company who will post for me. I don't have to think about it. There's just stuff popping up on my feed that's coming from my practice, and I like it. And it's exactly what I would have done because it follows the formula that I typed on that page. So by typing on that page, uh, whether you know it or not, you filled out an impact filter, right? That's the process. I didn't know anything about the impact filter, but I and, guess I did. You know, social media is one of those things. If, if we're looking to delegate things that are annoying, and the number one criteria for the who is find somebody who's an expert in this. And then you start to think, hmm, who in a dental office full of young millennial women has a unique skill of social media? And it's like everybody in your goddamn office. So why would you ever pay a company $300 a month to post crap when you've got a team full of people that would love to get paid to be on social media. That's their, that's their calling. They would think that's the world's greatest thing. And to be able to build a brand personality and show the personality of your office, I mean, um, the, the staff love that type of stuff. But again, we don't delegate it because why? I don't know, because this company says they can do it better. Uh, yeah, what if she posts something I don't like? Yeah. Or, you know, I want to review all 365 scheduled posts now and I'll prove <laughs> each one of them. And then we'll put them on, uh, you know, one of those automated things to post them all the time. Like that's, it's just control, right? It's like, yeah. no, social media by definition is spontaneous, creative yeah. and social. I mean, you can't plan it on a calendar and um, have a, a robot um, do a, a 365 plan post at a time. Okay, uh, what else, Gina? We cover a lot of ground. We talked about uh, what kinds of tasks we delegate. We talked about who um, in your practice you can delegate things to. We talked about the how, making sure we're clear uh, and how exactly we achieve that. What else do we need to cover in terms of delegation? I think we've pretty much covered the subject. I mean, I can't imagine um, that there is more to it. I think it's just, uh, you know, it's a leap of faith. It's just like try it, do it, find someone to delegate to. Be very specific and be okay with things not being done 100%. Great well is said. the enemy of good. Well said. Just start somewhere and delegate something, something small, something. I mean, if you're afraid to let go, delegate something that cannot be screwed up. 
um, or doesn't matter if it gets screwed up. Uh, and just let go. It's free. It's liberating. It's like getting tattoos. You get one, you can't stop. Speaking of which, the one thing that we all delegate is our children. We get nannies as soon as they're born. We get, um, uh, you know, we send them to school. We don't know anything about, you know, we, we, we delegate our children all the time. And that's the only thing that we cannot afford to have screwed up. And then we're worried about a little social media campaign. <laughs> Not Graham. Graham would never delegate his children. No, Graham would never do that. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, thank you, Gina. That was a great talk. Um, We will uh, look for comments and look for questions um, and um, some ideas for future topics. Thanks, Gina. That was fun. Thank you for having me on the show.